Hello, this is Rabbi Daniel Karopkin. Welcome to this podcast for learning the classic philosophical work by Maimonides, or Rambam, called More Nevuchim, or Guide for the Perplexed. This text has been studied for centuries by great scholars, Jewish and non-Jewish alike. It seeks to reconcile Aristotelian and Neoplatonic philosophy with the Torah of our people, and is considered the perfect entree for reconciling one's spiritual and rational personas. Join me for half-hour installments as we explore the text together. The Rambam is in the midst in the first section of Moren Nevuchim to describe certain Hebrew terms to distance any kind of physical attribution to the Ribbono Shalom, to the master of the universe. And today's chapter is chapter 22, and we're going to be discussing the verb bo, lavo, to come, to come to be, to come into existence, to come to, to, come to pass. So let's see how this verb is used. Uh, so beginning chapter 22, to come, bo, in the Hebrew language, the word coming has been given a meaning that refers to the coming of a living being. I mean, his drawing near someplace or some other individual. So when a person comes close to you, they are ba, they come to you. Thus, thy brother came with guile, what we just read a, couple, uh, a, a little bit over a week ago in Parshas Toldos, in uh, source number one on your sheet. Vayomer, that Yitzchak said to, to Esav, Ba'achicha b'mirma, vayikach birchatecha, that your brother came with cunning or guile, and he took your blessing. Okay, so that's one example of someone coming spatially from one place, coming closer to, to the place in question. The word has also been given a meaning that refers to a living being entering someplace, so it could be not just coming near, but coming into a place. So, for example, which we're going to read in Parshas Vayeshev in a little bit over a week from now, where the Torah says, Vayavo Yosef habaita, that Yosef came home, habaita, that this is referring to the story of Yosef coming into his house as the viceroy of Egypt. So you enter into a place, you are ba. Okay, and when you come to the land, the Torah says in Exodus chapter 12, when you enter into the land, there too the verb ba is used. Now, that's all coming spatially. Let's see how this term is used figuratively. This term is also used figuratively to denote the coming about of something that is not at all corporeal not a physical coming or moving or motion, but rather something that is to transpire. So for example, when thy words come to pass, we may do thee honor. From Sefer Shoftim, chapter 13, is the story about Manoach and his wife. The, the, they, these would become the parents of Shimshon. And Manoach and his wife are met by an angel. And they ask the angel, what is your name? Um, because when your promise comes to fruition and that you told us that we would have a child, 
we want to be able to honor you and to show you our proper tribute or our proper thanks. So therefore, the word yavo in that context does not mean to enter or to come near, but rather it means that something will transpire. So that's another explanation of the word ki yavo. And or another example of this is from Sefer, is from the book of Isaiah, from the things that shall come upon thee. Okay, so here Isaiah is rebuking his nation, and he is saying, Nil eta berov I'm just reading from the beginning of the verse in Isaiah chapter 47, verse 13. He says that you have the, the astrologers and the astronomers uh, who you have relied on so heavily. How is it that they have not told you about the evil that is about to transpire? Uh, that is going about to come upon you. So it's not something that is coming near, but it's rather something that is going to transpire, an event that will transpire. And the way that it is written is, may asher yavou alayich, something that will come upon you. It is, in consequence, applied figuratively even to certain privations. So something can transpire, which is the lack of something not just the, tra- the transpiring or the coming to existence of something, but also the removal of something in life can also be trans- described as its ba. So for example, we have in the book of Eov, source number six, kitov kiviti vayavo ra vayachale or vayavo ofel. That Job lamenting his state says, that I was hoping for good, but evil came. Vayavora, evil came. Vayavo ofel. I was placing my hope in seeing light, but instead darkness came. Now, uh, evil and darkness are the privation, are the, the lack of blessing, the lack of light. And yet, something that is a privation, something that is the lack of something, can also be stated as coming to be, transpiring, okay? Since the term had been thus figuratively applied to what is in no way a body, it was also figuratively applied to the creator. May he be honored and magnified. So the Rambam writes, now that we know that the verb verb ba can be applied to something that is completely non-physical, but it's a concept or an event, so then we can also use it with impunity to apply to God himself, who is non-corporeal. And, but here he says, whenever you see the term ba applying to God, it is going to apply to some manifestation of God in some way, either to the descent of his decree or to that of his indwelling. Now, what do we mean by that? Um, the descent of his decree means the taking, the transpiring of a decree of God. If God's word comes to be, comes to fruition, then it is the word of Hashem that is ba, that comes. Sometimes it could also refer to God's shechina, his divine presence. The divine presence is a creation, as the Rambam had written in previous chapters, which is a physical manifestation that God wants to honor a place or a group of people with them sensing or detecting his presence. Even though God is everywhere and he's not spatially confined, 
he will create some kind of cloud or some kind of fire to act as a representation of his presence. And that is what is called, according to the Rambam, the Shekhinah. And so therefore, the Shekhinah can be Ba, or the decree of God can be Ba. And therefore, the term Ba is used for some aspect of God's manifestation in this world. So let's see some examples of this. Uh, it is in view of this figurative use that it is said, Hine, this is in, uh, in, in uh, let's see, source number seven, in, from Exodus chapter 19, right before the giving of the Ten Commandments. Vayomer Hashem el Moshe, that God said to Moshe, Hine anochi ba'elecha be'av he'anan. I am now coming to you in the thick of the cloud. What does that mean, I am coming to you in the thick of a cloud? God is not spatially confined. But God said there's going to be some way to perceive, for humans to perceive, that I am present at this moment on top of Mount Sinai. And that is what is called the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah is a created essence of God that is spatially confined, but it's only a representation of God, but it is not God himself. Another example is from the book of Ezekiel, <coughs> for the Lord, the God of Israel, comes through it. Um, so, Vayomer Hashem Eli, Vayomer Eli Hashem, in Yechezkel, in Ezekiel chapter 44, that the, uh, there's a certain gate in the temple, which is always sealed until the Messianic age, when God himself will come through that locked gate. Hashar hazeh sagur yihiyeh this gate is locked, no man may enter through it. Because the God of Israel will come through that gate. Now it doesn't mean that God will manifest himself in some human form and just walk through the gate. It means rather that in the Messianic age, in the times of the third temple, that gate will be unlocked and humans will be able to perceive the Shekhinah coming through that gate. Okay. All passages similar to these signify the descent of the Shekhinah, of the indwelling. Now, we go to the next verse. And here we're going to get into a different explanation as to Ba in reference to God, which is the, which is the first thing that he mentioned, which is the word of God. And he says, the verse, and the Lord my God shall come, and all the holy ones with thee. This is a Pasuk in, um, in Zechariah. And um, this Pasuk in Zechariah needs a little bit of unpacking. Um, so we're going to spend a little bit of time on this verse now. But what does that signify? On the other hand, the descent of God's decree or the realization of the promises made by him through his prophets. I'm just going to read the, the final text and we'll get into the whole discussion shortly. This last notion is signified in the dictum, all the holy ones with thee. Scripture says, as it were, and the word of the Lord my God shall come through all the holy ones who are with thee, the people of Israel being the one addressed. Now, I'll explain everything very, very simply in just a moment. The first thing I want to point out is that the Rambam is using this chapter to tell us that the verb ba can be a reference to some aspect of God that manifests itself in the physical world, either his Shekhinah, which is physically palpable and discernible, or a concept that God had made a promise and that promise will come to fruition. So that promise is called, that the, the coming to fruition is, is used, the verb ba is used as well. 
But now, like, what is the continuity to last week's chapter? I would just want to remind you that what the Rambam in that very long chapter, chapter 21, that we saw last, last week, um, the Rambam had given his own explanation as to what the words Vaya'avor Hashem al-Panav meant. And he ex- explained that what it meant was is that God concealed himself in some way from Moshe. But then the Rambam brought the explanation of Onkelos. And he said, Onkelos' explanation is equally acceptable. And Onkelos translated the words, Vaya'avor Hashem al-Panav, that he explained it was the glory of God, or the Shekhinah of God that passed over, Moshe, uh, that passed over Moshe's face. And the, what Onkelos what uh, introduces us to is the fact that sometimes the Torah or the Tanakh will use the word Hashem, God, and it doesn't mean God himself, but rather it means some representation of God. And the term that Pines used, the very grammatical term, you have this in source number nine. It is necessary to, uh, to assume an omitted nomen regions, as is always done by Onkelos, for in accord with the context, sometimes he takes the omitted word to be glory, sometimes he takes it to be indwelling, and sometimes he take it, takes it to be the word of God. For we, our part two, take the nomen regions omitted here to be voice. And basically what the Rambam had said is that if you're going to explain vaya'avor Hashem al-Panav, that God passes over in some way, but not God himself because God is not spatial, but rather some manifestation of God, he said it's the voice of God. In this chapter, he is telling us, I can accept Onkelos' interpretation that sometimes the word God in the Tanakh can also mean either the word of God or the Shekhinah of God. Even though I had said that in that context in the previous chapter, it means the voice of God passed over Moshe, but here I agree that in certain instances, the word God in Tanakh can mean either some physical creation that God makes to represent the fact that he is honoring the place. That's what we call the Shekhinah. Or it could mean the word or the edict of God comes to fruition. And even though scripture calls it Hashem, it doesn't literally mean Hashem. It means something of Hashem, either the Shekhinah of Hashem or the word of Hashem is coming to be. Now let's unpack this passage in Zechariah. And this is going to be the, a really interesting discussion because in the course of our learning what Zechariah is talking about, we're going to learn about a very interesting episode that's going to happen at the end of, of Jewish history. In Sefer Zechariah, this is, by the way, the very end of the very last book of the Treasar, which is sort of like a... Um, uh, it really records the end of prophetic visions of what's going to happen at the end of human history, at the end of Jewish history. It's from Zechariah chapter 14. And in Zechariah chapter 14, by the way, when do we read this in the Haftorah? Anyone know? On Sukkot. On Sukkot. Very good, Barry. And so, Hinei yom bal Hashem v'chulak shlaleich b'kirbeich. The day will be coming, says God. And there will be a great despoiling of, of the enemy. Now, God says on that day, this is an apocalyptic war. Ostensibly, it's the Gogumagog War, which we read about over Sukkot a couple of times. And what's going to happen at that time is the scripture describes that there'll be this great uh, earthquake. And, and as a result, 
ונבקה הר הזיתים מחציו מזרחה וימה, גי גדולה מאוד. That there will be this great um, apocalypse that's going to happen in Jerusalem to the point where the Mount of Olives will be split in half. And in between the two clefts, or in between the two halves of the Mount of Olives, Harazetim, there'll be this huge valley that the Jews will go to to seek refuge from all of the cataclysm that is taking place all around them as God reshapes the new world order for the Messianic era. That's what's being described over here. And later on it says in Pasuk Hay, in verse number five of that passage, Vinistam Gei Harai, that there'll be an enclosure of this valley between the mountains. Ki Agia Gei Harim El Atzal, oh, I'm sorry, Vinastem Gei Harai, excuse me. You will flee to this valley between the mountains, the two halves of the mountain. Vinastem Ka'ashir Nastem Ipnei Harash, Bimei Uziyah Melech Yehuda. You will flee just like you fled during the earthquake that took place during the reign of King Uziah, the king of Judea. Uba Hashem Elokai, and the Lord my God shall come. Kol Kedoshim Imach, all of the holy ones with you. Now those last words don't make any sense because I can understand that the Lord my God will be coming at that time, meaning there's this, this vision of of the, the Lord's salvation coming to save the Jewish people because they'll take refuge in this valley. But those last three words don't really make any sense. Kol kedoshim imach, all of the holy ones with you. With you, the Jewish people, what does this mean? So Targum Yonatan explains the verse as follows. He says, V'yitgalei Hashem Elokei, that the Lord God shall be revealed on that day, that's how he explains the word ba, okay? The Lord will be revealed, okay? Even though we know that that's not how the Rambam is going to explain it. V'chol kidi and all of his holy ones will come with him. Meaning that there's some kind of heavenly entourage of angels that will be visible on this great day of apocalypse when the salvation takes place then God will reveal himself and all of his heavenly entourage with all of the angels. Okay, that's the way, this, that's the conventional, that's the way Rashi understands the verse, that's the way the Targum Yonatan, the uh, Aramaic translation, understands the verse. However, the Rambam understands this verse completely differently because what is the inherent difficulty in the Targum Yonatan? He says, kol kedoshim imach, all of the holy ones with you, he, he says, it's not, not imach, it'll be imo, it'll be with God, not with you, the Jewish people, who are the object of this, of this sentence. So that's clearly a difficulty that Targum Yonatan has to sort of, sort of gloss over. But the Rambam, and that's the Rambam's point over here, that the last sentence of this chapter says, you have to explain it the way I'm going to explain it, because otherwise kol kedoshin imach makes no sense because it should have said kol kedoshim imo, like the Targum Yonatan says. So rather, what is this referring to? Well, the clue is, says the Rambam, is because it says you will run away just like you ran away during the earthquake that was bimei Uziah melech Yehuda in the times of Uziah, the king of Judea. Now, what is that referring to? 
So there's a little bit of background. I'm going to, I'm going to do it very quickly. King Uziah was a king of Judea during the, shortly before the, the times of the prophecy of uh, the prophet Isaiah. And it was a time where the Jews were degenerating. And Uziah was a king who was concerned about ritual, but at the same time, he trespassed beyond what he was supposed to do. He went ahead and took over the temple service took it away from the Kohanim and decided to offer the incense and some of the other offerings himself. This is recorded in the book of Chronicles, Divrei Hayamim 2, chapter 26, verses 18 and 19. And the Kohanim, when they see King Uziah coming into the temple, they say, Lo lecha Uziyahu lahaktir lashem ki la Kohanim. He says, it is not for you, Uziyahu, to offer the incense. You should not be doing this. It is for the Kohanim to do this. However, Vayizaf Uziyahu Uviado Mikteret Lahaktir. And the verse says that Uziyahu was uh, in his wrath, ignored the Kohanim, and went ahead and did this. And how was he punished? He was punished. And he was afflicted with leprosy. And so, therefore, the commentaries point out that when Zechariah says that you will flee just like you fled at the times of, of in the times of Bimei Uziah is a reference to what's going to, what happened now is that Uziah was afflicted with Tsaras. And now we go to section 13, the uh, quote 13 in our sheets from Isaiah chapter 6. Verses 1 to 4. You should be very familiar with this passage because it's from our prayers. But the, but, but the preface, the prelude to that is as follows. Bishnat mot At the time of the death of Uziyahu. And so the commentaries say that it's not that Uziyahu literally died, but that he was afflicted with tsara'at, because a person who was afflicted with tsara'at is like a dead person, according to our sages because parts of their body start to fall away and, and they become an outcast. They can no longer live with civilization. And what do I see in this vision? King Isaiah says, I'm seeing a vision of God sternly rebuking the people because there has been a breakdown in ritual practice among our society. This is most uh, sort of manifest in the way that even the king of Judea is behaving in that he's not granting proper protocols to the Kohanim to work in the temple. He's sort of grandstanding and taking it for himself. So you see there's clearly some kind of corruption and some kind of breakdown in religious life, in, uh, in our religious society that is taking place. And so therefore, as a result, Isaiah has a vision of God, and he says, Va'ere et Hashem yoshev al kisei ram v'nisa, v'shulav me'li'im et ha'ichal. I see that God is sitting on his grand throne, and the hems of his garment are filling the temple. Seraphimom dimi ma'alo. There are seraphim, who are very fiery angels, are standing all around him. And he describes the angels with their wings, and their wings covering their feet. And then the famous verse, v'karazel zevi amar. And each angel calls out to the other angel. And they say, Kadosh, 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 Hashem Tzivakot, Melochal Haaretz Kivodo. Holy, 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 the Trisagion is the 
Catholics call it, the triple uh, recital of holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole world is filled with his glory. Now, when you and I say that, we say that because we're trying to mimic the angels in heaven. But the context, as it appears in Isaiah, is that Isaiah is using this image to chastise the people and say, you have insufficient reverence and fear for a God who is surrounded by an entourage of fiery angels. How could you behave this way when you're in the presence of the Almighty who is surrounded by this entourage? And the doorposts shook in this vision from the voice of the angels that are calling forth, holy, holy, holy. It was like an earthquake. And the house was filled with smoke. Now, let's go back to our verse in Zechariah. What is the connection between the death or the times of Uziah? He says, You will flee just like you fled during the earthquake in the times of Uziah, the king of Judea, when he died or was afflicted with Tzarat. Why did you flee? You fled out of fear because of the, the thundering voice of the angels calling out, holy, 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 as stern rebuke to you. However, Uba Hashem Elokai Kol Kedoshimimach. But, says, says the, the prophet at the end, and this is the way the Malbim understands it, this is where there's a difference between the words in Isaiah when you fled from the earthquake and the words of Zechariah when you're also fleeing from this great apocalypse that you are witness to. In that, in the first instance, you were fleeing because you were being rebuked and you were being told that the world is going to come crashing down upon you because you did not have sufficient reverence for this almighty God. But in the end of days, your fleeing is not out of fear for, of retribution, but is to seek rather shelter under the Lord God that is coming to save you. And therefore, this is the ultimate consolation after the destruction of the temple. You started off hearing the thundering voices of the angels who were coming now to bring retribution upon you for your lack of reverence. And now this apocalypse, which is also an earth-shattering earthquake event, will be coming to provide you with consolation that those very same angels that the Targum Yonatan says will be accompanying God are going to come now and provide you with the solace and comfort of the ultimate redemption. And it'll be an awesome event. But instead of being awesome in the sense of, oh no, dread because I'm going to be punished, this will be an awesome event because we're going to have this amazing encounter with the Almighty and his holy entourage. So that's the way of explaining it. Now take a look at the Radak in source number 15. He says, The Rambam has a totally different way of explaining it. Kol Kedoshim in that Pasuk is not referring to the angels as Targum Yonatan and Rashi explain. Kol Kedoshim Imach means the, the prophets. And the Rambam writes that when it says, and the, and the Lord shall come, Uba Hashem Elokai, the Lord my God will come, it doesn't mean the Lord himself will come. Remember, we're removing any spatial references to God himself. 
So it either means God's Shekhinah will come, and the Ramah says, no, it's not referring to that over here, but rather the word of the Lord shall come to be. The word of the Lord shall be fulfilled on that day via kol kedoshim imach, via all of those holy prophets who spoke with you, the Jewish people, in generations past and promised you that there would be a time of redemption, that would, there would be a time of reconciliation. And therefore, the way the Rambam reads this verse, Uba Hashem Elokai, the word of the Lord my God shall come, shall come to be, shall transpire. What word of God was that? The word that he had spoken to all of his holy ones, the prophets, when they spoke to you, the Jewish people, and they promised you that there will come a time, after all of the destruction, and after all of the exile, you shall come back to your land. So this is the way the Rambam finishes the chapter. He wants to point out to us that the word ba over here, especially as it's used in Zechariah, is not referring to God, this ominous God coming and traveling through space and time to come to a specific time and place to uh, come to the Jewish people. God is omnipresent. He is in all times and in all places. So that's not what the word uva means over here, but rather it means that the promise that Hashem had made to you will come true. And to whom did God make this promise? He made it to the, prof- to the prophets that they should give this promise to you. They should communicate it to you. And that's what the word imach means, to you. The prophets spoke with you about this issue from, gen- from generations past, and eventually that word of God will come to be. And that concludes our chapter. Any comments, any, uh, any questions? If not, we'll hold it here for today. Have a wonderful day.